Starcourt Study Hall contains spoilers for all seasons of Stranger Things. Episodes may also contain graphic content and language not suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed are those of the hosts unless otherwise stated, and all content and characters are property of Netflix and the Duffer Brothers. I'm Marina. And I'm Amanda. And this is Starcourt Study Hall. I want to just do this before we get started. I just need to apologize for last week's episode because I don't know what was wrong with me, but I was just breathing into the mic the whole time. I don't know what I was doing, but it wasn't fun for Amanda on the editing side of things. (laughs) It really was not. I don't know. I don't know why Marina just decided to share her her thoughts via her breath with us last week. Every breath you take. Wow. 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 That's meta. That is. (laughs) We are here today on this April Fool's Day to talk about Chapter 9 of Season 2 of Stranger Things, The Gate. Yes, we're finally We are wrapping up. I know. We are wrapping up Season 2. This is wild. And we are going to, we are not going to delay at all. We're just going to steamroll. This chapter was written by the DBs. The DBs? The DBs. And it was also directed by the DBs. And it aired on October 27th, 2017 on Netflix. Just one. Just one <laughs> flick. And here is the summary straight from Netflix. <laughs> this one's a weird one. Eleven makes plans to finish what she started. Semicolon. The survivors turn up the heat. On the monstrous force that's holding Will hostage. Yeah. Yeah, they turn up the heat. They do. They do do that. I don't know. It just felt like oddly worded. It's like very trendy sounding. It sounded like they were like purposely trying to make it like silly, like tongue in cheek or something. Yeah. All right. Let's go right into the fast facts. Let's go. The gate is the longest chapter up until this point. Which I'm sure that if you didn't know, you will find out by the end of this episode. Because... (laughs) We have so much to say. (laughs) Yeah. It clocks in at a runtime of one hour and two minutes. Okay. And this is my own fast fact. I discovered this myself. Wow. Yeah. I like backpedaled through all the episodes and I was like, oh, that one's only 48 minutes. Oh, that one's only 52 minutes. And I was like, this is the longest one so far. Nice. Yeah. My second fast fact is half mine. Half my special fact. The DBs were nominated for two Emmys for this chapter, Outstanding Directing for a Drama Series and Outstanding Writing for a Drama Series. They lost in both categories. However, in Outstanding Directing, they lost to Stephen Daldry for The Crown. Wow. Yep. Well, guess who is now working on The First Shadow? Stephen Daldry. Wow. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. That's pretty nifty. And my final fast fact I just wanted to include because it is just, it's ridiculous. It's just, it's it's ridiculous. But there's a lot of ridiculousness that happens at the end of this chapter. Yes. In the last scenes of chapter nine, the gate, when Will is learning to dance for the snowball in the buyer's Mm -hmm. house, we can see that it is dusk outside. Yes. Through the windows. However, Jonathan's camera shows that it is December 15th at 7.04 p.m. It does. It does say that. However... 
On December 15th, 1984, the sun would have set sometime between 4.15 and 5.15 in Indiana. So it would have been dark <laughs> by 7.04 p.m. Such an unnecessary fast <laughs> I love that. You know, they should be more conscious of these things. They really should. Wow. Just irresponsible. Purely. So. All right. No more of that. Let's do it. Let's get into it. So we open up this episode with Elle and Mike and they hug emotionally. And Mike tells her he called her every night for 353 days. She heard. But she never responded because Hopper admits that he was hiding her and wouldn't let her. Mike absolutely loses his shit, and Hopper suggests that they talk alone. In Will's bedroom, Hopper and Mike argue over Hopper's indiscretion. Hopper ends Mike's temper tantrum by apologizing and wrapping him in a big hug that he very clearly needed. It's like really strong Goodwill hunting vibes in this scene. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. I've never seen Goodwill hunting. I fell asleep during it. (laughs) (laughs) So I have kind of seen it. (laughs) Okay. Partially. Yeah. But that's like a... That's like one of those famous scenes where like Robin, I think it's Robin Williams in that movie. And he like hugs the the main character and like he just says it's not your fault mm-hmm. over and over again until he okay. just cries. And uh, that's that was the vibes I was getting with Mike and Hopper here. Like he just clearly really needed an adult to give a shit about his trauma and his pent up anger. And he just really needed, yeah. he needed a hug. Yeah, it's not to say that Karen doesn't do that. I just feel like he doesn't get that kind of attention. Yes. And, you know. Hopper is also one of the only adults in this situation who knows what's going on. Yeah, he has, like, the full scope. Right. I just wanted to point out the butterfly on the pillow on the buyer's couch, and you can see it right before Elle and Mike hug. Oh, is it a monarch? Yeah, it is. Of course it is. It is a monarch. Wow. Yeah. Love that. I know. And I like that, because we were you were just saying, like, the Mike and Hopper tension. Yeah. It just picks right back up. In season three. Like, oh, yeah. there's no... They're just tense. Yeah. They they have a very tense relationship in general. I mean, it's hard to say if that's just, like, because Hop has a daughter and a boy is dating mm. his daughter. So he just, by default, doesn't like him or... I don't know. Yeah. And to be fair, Mike is a little... A little... Yeah. A little asshole. Kind of a little first. Shit. Yeah. A little bit. And then they proceed to argue about what's best for Elle and omit Elle yeah. from that conversation. She's not even, like, she's just there. She's contributing nothing to this conversation and just letting it happen. Yeah, but then they're like, and then he's like, can I talk to you alone? And then they, like, go into the room, yell about what's best for Elle. Yeah. Elle's not even part of that dialogue. No, not at all. <laughs> Why would she have an opinion on what's best for herself? Right. She doesn't know what she needs. No. <laughs> Silly girl. So Elle hugs Dustin and Lucas, and Elle sticks her fingers directly into Dustin's mouth to admire his teeth. I'm not, I'm not going to growl. Teeth. <laughs> teeth. You, you have teeth. <laughs> Max attempts to introduce herself, and Eleven ignores her to go hug Joyce. Elle asks to see Will. She tells Joyce she saw that Will was not doing well. Joyce asks, what else did you see? In the kitchen, a still bloody-nosed Elle looks at the Morse code note, close gate. Joyce asks if Elle could close the gate since she has opened it before. Elle looks off, determined but scared. We get a quick shot of the gate, now many stories tall. At the bottom, the demodogs screech. I feel like the fact that close gate is written on the back of a notepad implies that the buyers have completely run out of paper. (laughs) Wow, that's a great detail. (laughs) It's like on the back of one of those, like, what are they called? Like a, like a, like a, um, like a legal pad. 
You like a legal yeah. pad. It's like on the back cardboardy part of a legal pad. Like there's just no more fucking paper in this household. It's all over the house on the walls. Right. I mean, we even saw that too a few episodes ago when they were drawing on wrapping paper. Yeah. Because there's no more paper. There's nothing. I love that detail. I never picked <laughs> up on that. That's amazing. The supplies. They need to go school supply shopping. They really do. Someone needs to take these people to Staples. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, yes. That's where you go. I also just noticed in this watch through that Elle starts crying when Joyce hugs her. Yeah. Like she sobs. This this whole scene just made me, again, we've said this numerous times. I just want Joyce and Hopper as my parents. Like Hopper is not flawless. Right. But I don't know. There's just an authenticity mm-hmm. to the way that they love. And I just want them to be my parents. I agree. I love it. And I the hug between Elle and Joyce, too, is, like, so sweet because mm-hmm. Elle has been on this journey to find family for as long as we can remember. And she found her mom, but her mom's mm-hmm. not really capable of providing much in the way of support. So, yeah, she has Joyce. Speaking of moms, the gate is just so birth canal-y. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the vaginal imagery. Yeah. What is that called? Um... um the opposite of phallic. Not phallic. Um, yonic. I'm n- I've actually never heard that word. Yeah, it's yonic. Okay, That's so the opposite of phallic, yonic. It's yonic. There's yeah. There's a lot of it's a lot of vagina here. Birth. A lot of birth. L- labias. And labias. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the gate, everybody. Oh, by the way, speaking episode nine, speaking, the gate. Speaking labias. Speaking of labias and and other um, birthing places, oh. do you remember a couple episodes ago we we did a fun little account of how many times oh, yes. we said the word hole? So we will be we will be doing that again this time because mm. there's a lot of holes in this episode. Mad holes. Yeah. So enjoy that. This is something that Amanda talked about and Amanda and I talked about via text, but I just wanted us to like say it. This is the first time Elle is meeting Will. Yes. She's never met Will. Like, yeah, like physically. And even so, even here, Will has still never met Elle. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Because he is not here right now. Like, so is that they see each other at the snowball? Is that like the first time Will and Elle see each other? Maybe. And, like, process each other versus Elle just like, oh, yes. This boy in a coma. This this boy. <laughs> there he is. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We never get any sort of, like, meeting scene at all. We don't. We're two seasons deep yeah. and these two don't even know each other. Know. It's wild. <laughs> After the title credits, we see Karen Wheeler enjoying herself a nice candlelit bath while reading a romance novel with a very hunky dude who bears a striking resemblance to another mullet that we know. Suddenly... The doorbell interrupts her, and after screaming fruitlessly at Ted to answer it, she... (laughs) Ted! (laughs) What a wet noodle that man is. He really is. (laughs) She reluctantly robes up to answer the door. On the other side is Billy's bare chest staring back at her. Is he here for Nancy? Oh, no. Not really his type. Side eye. That's it. Oh, I didn't know Nancy had a sister. Get out of here, Billy. He flirts hardcore with Karen to get what he wants, which is information on where to find his little sister, Max, who is suddenly his sister. Oh, yeah. She draws him a map to the buyers while he seductively eats a cookie. Mm. Billy gets in the car, drops the act, and peels out towards the buyers. I mean, this is just pure sociopath. Like, (laughs) the fact that he can just, like, snap into this weird character and then out of it. 
Yeah. It's really I mean, I do think there there is a a genuineness to it. Like I do think he thinks Karen is hot. Oh, yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? Look at her. True. (laughs) And I do think there is like a little bit of a true sexual chemistry there. Yeah. But yeah, totally. Completely concerning that he can just turn this on and off. Yes. With the flip of a switch. I mean, even like when he's leaving, she's like, drive safe. And he's like, always. And then he gets in the car and she's like. Like that alone. It's like. That's the sound of the motor. Also, I had to point out that Karen reading a book while listening to music with lyrics. No. I could never. No, I can't do that. Also, like in a bathtub. There's just so much going on. Yeah. And with candles. Seems dangerous. It does. Like a fire hazard. But also there's water right there. Okay. Actually, funny story. One time I did this. I tried to take a bath with just like one candle lit, but I was stupid and put it behind me. And uh, yes, my hair did momentarily catch fire. Did you set your hair on fire? I did a little bit, but I just, okay, you know, jumped in the water that was right there and all was well. <laughs> <laughs> jumped in the water I was, I was already, already in. in. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. This, this is also another really good setup for season three. Yes. Right? Like, it just leads right into it. It's just like, all right, we're just going to pick this back up where it left. Back at the buyers, it sure is foggy. Hmm. It is. It is foggy. They still don't know why that is. Nope. We still have no answers for that one. The gang is gathered around the kitchen table talking about how to close the gate. Hopper warns that the gate has grown a lot and that the lab is crawling with dogs. Damn dogs, actually. Fucking Dustin. (laughs) Thanks, Dustin. Elle asserts that she can do it. Mike reminds us that closing the gate will mean killing the Mind Flayer, which means it might kill Will, too. Joyce realizes that they need to stop giving the virus what the virus wants. Maybe if they make the host uninhabitable, the virus will leave. Except this time, it's got to be somewhere that Will won't recognize. Hopper shouts directions to his cabin, to Jonathan and Joyce as they carry Will to the car. Hopper tells Jonathan to let him know when the Mind Flayer is out of Will. Did you notice the way that Everybody is like piecing, like it's like Mike says this thing and then Lucas finishes the sentence. Mm. Max says the next thing and then Jonathan says the thing and then it's like, yes, it's very, I don't know. They, it's a little <laughs> This happens corny. a couple times in this episode, I feel like. It does. Like later when Steve is protesting that they shouldn't leave, I feel like all the kids kind of piece together what they need to do. Yeah, yeah. They, that is the dynamic yeah, here. I, I like that. Also- yeah. I was just going to say, I think it's hilarious that they were, like, keeping the Mind Flayer comfortable. That is kind of like, funny. We'll just, we'll just keep the window open. Like, when you when you, you think about it, cold. right? Like, <laughs> Wouldn't want that guy to be upset. Yes, of course. You upset him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want to do that again. Right. He really didn't like it, so. Yeah. Also, Will is totally placed in the back seat of their vehicle. Yes. And then when you see them pull away, he's sitting up. Oh, weird. I, I noticed it twice because I watched the scene twice and I was like, why is he sitting up? Oh, wow. Interesting. Lay down, child. Yeah. That seems bad. Like, Noah, just stay laying down or like, don't get in the car because you're laying down anyway. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Very bizarre. There's a lot of weird things like that in this chapter. Yes. Yes. I, I have one later. Yeah. <laughs> continuity things. Yes. While sifting through random shed junk in the backyard, Steve suggests that Nancy join Jonathan and Joyce. Nancy disagrees because who will watch the kids? Steve proclaims that while he may be a shitty boyfriend, he's a pretty damn good babysitter. With a knowing look, Nancy simply says, Steve. You're just like so good at the Nancy impressions. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) And Steve understands and says, it's okay, Nance. And walks away before Nancy can say anything more. 
Steve picks up a giant ball of Christmas lights yes. out of this pile of junk. And I just thought that was a really funny thing to add. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it was good. I saw that yeah. too. <laughs> I love that. I know. We didn't really talk about this as being like a self-sacrificial thing for Steve to have done. That's very true. Steve is like, no, no, Nance, like, you go. I'll stay here with your brother. Right. And then, not to mention, he just forgives her cheating on him. Right, because they never officially broke up. Nope. Yeah. No, no. They did not. So he just is like, I'm a little bit surprised that Nancy was so shocked in season four about Steve's maturity. Right. Like, he was already demonstrating those behaviors. Because there was no real reason Nancy needed to be there with Jonathan and Joyce. Except for moral support of Jonathan, basically. Yeah. Which he clearly needed. Um, I, that scene of him, like, pivoting to hold her. Yeah. I don't know. It, I don't it's know. a lot. It felt, like, poorly acted. Yeah. I feel bad saying that. <laughs> I know. Sorry. <laughs> I know. But, yeah, like, Steve is literally saying, like, go be with him. He needs you. Yeah. Rather than be here with me. Yes. And that's that's huge. Right. He's like, I'll take these kids like your fucking brother. Yeah. <laughs> no biggie. Who doesn't seem to like him very much. <laughs> like, I think Dustin is like the only one who like appreciates Steve. But yeah, at least for, for now, now. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. I just need to know why the buyers have so many space heaters. Yeah, I wrote the exact same words in that order. Why? Why do the buyers have so many space? It's cold. Do they not have like heat in their house and they rely on those? I don't know. I mean, sometimes I feel like when you have, they obviously probably had like just regular radiators. Yeah. Radiators. And those things aren't always efficient. So maybe they had like one for Will, one for Jonathan and one for Joyce. Like I'm pretty sure there were three. Okay. I guess that checks out then. It makes sense to have a space heater for each bedroom, I guess. Yeah, so that's why. Okay. For sure, that's it. But kind of weird that they wouldn't just be in the house because it is like, you know, November. But okay. It, the trees don't respond to that time that's of year either very in this true. chapter. They, they, re- they reject it. <laughs> yeah, they say, nah, I don't want to winter no, this year. we won't be doing winter, thank <laughs> the you. The leaves are going to stay up, thanks for your input. Yes. Yeah. Before Elle heads off to the lab to close the gate, Mike tearfully begs Elle to be careful because he can't lose her again. They almost kiss, but Hopper calls her to the car before it happens. Jonathan, Nancy, and Joyce drive off with Will, and Hopper and Elle go to the lab. Mike watches from the porch, devastated to let Elle go again. Is it inappropriate to say that Hopper is cock-blocking? I was going to say that. (laughs) I couldn't think of a better word. (laughs) Like, hello. He definitely did that on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. He was like, oh, no, 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 not in front of me. (laughs) I see that. That is not happening. Thank you. No, 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 no. Yeah. Mike just looks like so devastated here. And then all the other kids have like various expressions on their face. So like, yes, honestly, the rest of them do look like pretty concerned. But Max, (laughs) (laughs) I saw Max's face (laughs) is just like record scratch. You're probably wondering how I wound up in this situation. I would love to watch this chapter again and focus solely on Max's facial expressions the entire time. She makes some really good ones in this chapter. I might have to pull those out. Yeah. Because you're so right. She's just looking off like, Jesus Christ, what did I get myself into? Dear Lord. Dear Lord. Yeah, like she is just not, not having it. But she has it all right. She's kind of forced to, so. Don't these scenes between Elle and Mike feel like very adult? Yes. 
from like a romance perspective. Oh my god, yeah. They I mean they act like star-crossed lovers, like oh yeah, like am I watching the notebook right. or are these 12-year-olds? Like <laughs> I know. I can't lose you again. You won't lose me. Like it's so what? dramatic. Y'all are 12. <laughs> like it's gonna be okay. It's fine. And then when they reunite in the house in the very first scene, they're like, it's just, it feels like very adult. Yes. I'm just laughing because I'm, I'm like imagining, like imagine being in this situation with who either one of us were dating when we were 12. You mean the same person? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And imagine like, this is just your life now. Like this is the person that you're like. I, I'm just so attached to you. I can't lose you. And uh, yeah, they're just, you're, you're just bound to them. No, forever. that sounds <laughs> no, fucking no, terrible. Like, no offense to you if no, you're listening. If, if you're listening, <laughs> we, we just <laughs> probably shouldn't have both dated you at the same time. I'm so sorry. We passed you back and forth like a potato. We did. We did. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, this, see, this is why you all listen, not only to hear Stranger Things tea, but, but our own personality. But our tea. own adolescent tea. <laughs> Yes. Uh, in our next scene of The Shining, I mean that made Stranger me Things. Laugh I know when I read that because I was it, like, okay, yes, the car like weaving its right? way, like yeah. it is like almost like a shot for uh, yeah. shot of of the car driving down the road in The Shining. Hopper asks Elle if they are going to talk about why she suddenly looks like some MTV punk and wants to know where she's been. She tells him she went to go see Mama in a big truck driven by a nice man. Yes, a nice man in a big truck. A man's. Just a man. A nice man. Elle says she shouldn't have left. Hopper apologizes for not being present and for lying to her about her mom. He explains that he feels like a black hole sometimes that destroys everything it touches. Hopper talks about Sarah, who Elle doesn't know, and how he's afraid to lose Elle just like he did Sarah. He cheerfully apologizes and says he has been stupid. Elle says she was stupid too. They hold hands and reconnect. They smile and agree that Elle's new makeover is bitchin'. Okay. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Benchin. <laughs> I just love this entire back and forth. Like it's so it's, sweet. I it's, love it so much. It's so good. It's and she, she's just like she could have been kidnapped, I killed, know. trafficked. Lord knows. And she has just no idea why Hop is having a panic attack. <laughs> <laughs> no clue. <laughs> Whose truck like, was it? A man's. A, a man's. Man. <laughs> a nice, a nice man. man. <laughs> At least she specified he was nice. I know. A big truck. (laughs) I just, like, I love Hopper's reactions here. He's like, okay, so let me get this straight in my head. (laughs) A nice man in a big truck (laughs) dropped you off at your mother's, and then, what, your Aunt Becky gave you these clothes and makeup? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it's so cute. Did we talk about putting nice man big truck on a t-shirt? I feel like we did. Right? Like a front and back Yes, nice man, big truck. <laughs> like a jersey or something. I love it. Uh, I had to wonder here if, if Elle ever tells Hopper about Kali. Yeah, that's a great question. It's also it's also weird when you think about it in the context of like Sarah as a as a sister to Elle too. Yeah. yeah. It's like Hop hid this sister of Elle's from her. Does Elle hide Kali from Hopper as like another mm. sister? Interesting. Yeah. I never really thought of Sarah and Elle as like Same. A, as like sisters. Yeah. But they kind of are. But they kind of are. But I don't know if she ever told Hopper. I feel like she would have. It feels likely. I mean, we know for a fact that 
she has told Mike at least about meeting her mother because he mentions her mom in season three when she's going to spy on Billy. And he's like, okay, but your mom loved you and wanted you to see good things, like not bad things. So we know that she explained her mother. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know if if she ever talks about Kali, but I also really like the detail, too, that that Hop has never told Elle Mm -hmm. about Sarah. I think it's just such a turning point for their relationship when he finally opens up about why he is the way he is in many ways. He's like, Sarah, Sarah's my girl. As if she's supposed to just know that. I know. I know. But you mentioned like a turning point, which made me think of what I wrote. And it's like these moments in particular make Hopper's season three regression like emotional regression Mm -hmm. feel difficult to accept. I think as viewers, like it obviously takes him time to get to this point with people where he feels like he can be vulnerable, but he can do it. And when he does do it, it's like authentic and it feels like genuine. Right. Yeah. So when you get to season three and all of a sudden vulnerability feels like a foreign concept to him, he's like heart to heart. (laughs) What is a heart to heart? Like, Bitch, this is a heart to heart. You're doing it right now. You're doing it actively right now. So, like, I think that's why people were so perplexed by his behavior in season three. I definitely was. Yeah, it was like, what happened to this guy? (laughs) I know. It's like the the thought of his daughter with a a boyfriend just, like, sent him into a spiral for some reason. Maybe it's because, like, he never got to see Sarah make it there. So, like dealing with a teenager now is is you know difficult in the regular way Mm. that dealing with a teenager just is Mm -hmm. without any of the added drama but just the trauma of having lost his daughter and not getting to see her reach that age i'm sure has got to be hard on him i don't know but i agree yeah i mean i also think we get this like he says he's like a black hole right yeah and then in season four he says it's like a curse yeah right and i feel like this reminds me of max a little bit Because Mm -hmm. it's, like, where Hop feels like he is the source of misfortune and, like, destruction, Max always feels like she's the target Mm -hmm. of that same problem. Like, Hop legitimately blames himself for Sarah's death, and we don't understand why that is. He literally says the black hole, it got her. And Mm -hmm. we don't understand why he feels like that until season four because he tells the Agent Orange story. Yeah. So... I feel like the Max, there's like a little bit of like a Max Hopper thing going on. I know. They do really, like, I think they're very similar in a lot of ways in the way that they process trauma. Mm-hmm. I think they internalize a lot, both mm-hmm. of them. Very true. So, yeah. I said the same thing, though. It is, it's amazing watching this and then having the context from season four of like why Hopper feels so at fault. Right. Back at the buyer's house, Dustin is... Cl- <laughs> Dustin is clearing out Joyce's fridge to store <laughs> the dead demodog, which Steve has the honor of cradling in a blanket. They shove it in the fridge together to, to preserve for science. When he when he hits its head, when the and he was like, Ugh, when ew. Steve like tries to put it in, and it like his like head slaps onto the side, and like all the juice comes out. <laughs> what? Just. That is what she said. I don't know why. The only note I have for this is I never processed that this was happening. Yeah, right? It's such a one-off scene. It's and so then they quick. never they never address it again. No, and then it's like, what is Dusty's like, we're gonna have to explain this to Ms. Byers or something. Yeah, Steve Steve says, You're gonna have to explain this to Mrs. Byers. And I actually noted, I think it is so cute that they all still call her Mrs. I Byers. Know. 
Like, I really feel like we're on a first name basis I now, especially so. with the teenagers. But yeah, <laughs> OK, it is, it is. It is pretty funny. It's cute. Also, on that note, have Joyce and Steve ever interacted? I just had that thought as you <laughs> said it. I was thinking about how weird it is to have Nancy, her son's current girlfriend, in the house with Nancy's ex-boyfriend, Steve, also yeah. in the house. Like, what kind, of, so what kind of triangle is that? Like, who would that, how would that work in your life? Like, that would be, like, you and Eli in yes. the house with your aunt, but also Chris. Chris. <laughs> <laughs> what right? an absolutely wild situation that would be. Yeah, like I just, I'm so happy you said that because I had the same thought. I was like, has has Joyce, Joyce and Steve, like, what is this? Right, what a strange connection they have, which is like none, none, (laughs) zero connection. Kevin Bacon, we're all very removed here. Yeah, very weird. I I had to note that because I was thinking, Mm -hmm. like, I I really been thinking back. I I cannot recall a time that Steve has ever interacted with Joyce. But why would she? They would have never needed to. Never. There's no need for that. Very bizarre. Um, okay. In the living room, Lucas cleans up broken glass while Mike paces, anxious about Elle's safety. Lucas and Max agree that Elle will be okay, and it's not like she needs much protection anyway. Steve uses a dumb sports metaphor to tell the kids that they need to remain on the bench. But Dustin disagrees. Maybe if they can get the demodog's attention, they can draw them away from the gate, giving Elle a better chance at closing it. Mike points out the spot on Will's map where Hopper dug his entry hole. (laughs) There it is. <laughs> Not the entry Not hole. Not the entry <laughs> He thinks it's a hub, and if they set it on fire, it might draw the demodogs away from L. Steve protests this idea hard. He promised to keep these shitheads safe, so we are staying on the bench. Suddenly, a car pulls up outside, and Max realizes it's Billy. I just want to quickly thank Maxine yeah. for pointing out that Elle does not need Mike and Hop constantly protecting her. She is more powerful than all of these fools combined. Wow, that's actually such a great thing to point out because that's like kind of her whole attitude in season three. Yeah. Like, and, and I love that Max says this about Elle after Elle was like a total asshole. Totally to her. snubbed her. Max like stuck out her hand. She was like, hi, I'm Max. And Elle was like, okay. I hate you. And then just kept walking. <laughs> Right, and Max is still defending her, and I love that for her. And even in season three, when, like, Elle just shows up at her house, Max is totally receptive to this. Yeah. Like, she is not like, um, you are a total dick to me. Like, Um, you're a bitch with powers. I mean, to be fair, right? Like, I wouldn't be mean to her either. No. (laughs) I had to ask, is this the first time that Steve has realized that random girl is actually Billy's sister? (laughs) Random girl. (laughs) Like, did he I not mean, know? I don't know if he doesn't know because they all probably know that there's these two new kids in town. I feel like it's a small town. That's true. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they don't share a name. And true. Billy's in the high school and Max would be in the middle school with completely different last names. Yes. And they also clearly don't look alike. So. Yeah. So maybe it is the first time that he realizes. Yeah. I also love Mike being like, okay, this isn't some stupid sports game. Children. Children, we are using D&D to make sense of everything. <laughs> and you're yelling at Steve Harrington for comparing this to sport ball. You got to use what you know. You just, yeah, you have to make sense of your reality with things that you know. Like we make sense of our reality with Stranger Things. Right. And SpongeBob. <laughs> so 
It's just what you have Always to do. SpongeBob. Always SpongeBob. Yes. I have a SpongeBob reference later. Wow. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. I have one more thing. Okay. My last thing here is that the plan, if I'm understanding <laughs> the plan, this is the plan. Yes. It is to set the hub on fire to mm-hmm. attract the demodogs because they'll be like, no, no, stop. Don't set that on fire. I'm sorry. I thought they didn't like fire. Why are they yeah. going to run toward the fire? <laughs> That's very true. I mean, maybe it's just the instinct to protect that they're relying Pro- on. Must but- protect. Yes. But also, like, why would the Mind Flayer send his army to the fire? If the Mind Flayer is Vecna, who is looking for L, wouldn't he be like, no puppies? Come Stay here. Stay the course. The child yeah. is en route. The child is en route. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? It, it works. Obviously, we know this this plan works, but it just yeah. feels backwards. It does. I agree. Attract it's a the weird. puppies with fire that they hate. Puppies run to fire. I had the same thought, honestly. I was like, I don't get how they're deducing that this is going to work, but <laughs> Like, let's whatever. set it on fire to attract them and then they come. Yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah, totally fine. <clears throat> All right, let's get into a mega scene. I'm going to I'm going to lay lay down. Yeah, you should just take a nap during this. All right. Billy gets out of his car to flirt with Steve and ask what he's doing here. Wink. Steve wants to know the same, amigo. Why are they colloquially using Spanish? <laughs> I don't know. It's so, so weird. weird. chacho. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> wow. Billy says he's looking for his stepsister. Steve assures him that he does not know her, but little do we know, Max's little redhead has peeked through the window just enough for Billy to see. He is very unhappy to catch Steve in this lie and lets him know about it with his fist. Mm. Actually, he pushes him down, but there's no drama in that. Yeah, really. (laughs) He breaks into the buyer's house to collect his sister, but of course goes right to strangling a child because that's (laughs) just what you do. (laughs) He grabs Lucas, slamming him into a shelf, screaming at him to stay away from Max. Lucas kicks him in the groin right as Steve rushes in and pulls Billy off Lucas and punches him. Billy psychopathically laughs after being punched, which really should have been our first indicator that this dude belongs in the evil axis for sure. Hmm. Who laughs after getting punched? I don't know. Wild. Steve tells Billy to get out. Billy swings and misses and Steve lands several more punches as the kids cheer him on. Billy then breaks a plate over Steve's head and begins to pursue Steve, going full-on murderer, headbutting him hard enough to send him flying across the floor, but still seeming exhilarated. He gets on top of Steve and starts punching him in slow motion, giving him enough head trauma to definitely kill him. The kids scream for him to get off, but Max has a better idea and stabs Billy in the neck with Will's sedative syringe. Billy hits the ground, almost unconscious, still trying to bully the kids. Max takes no shit and slams the nail bat an inch from Billy's precious groin and forces him to agree to leave them alone. Max steals Billy's keys and suggests that they get out of there. The boys look at each other in disbelief and probably with a little more of a crush on Max because that was badass. For sure. (laughs) That was cool. That was great. Uh, All these boys are just like, ah, (laughs) stop. (laughs) And Max is like, are we going to do anything Literally. (laughs) Wait. Like, one of the things you can see Mike mouthing in slow motion is, stop it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's going to work. Wow, thanks, Mike. (laughs) Good idea. Real problem solver right there. (laughs) So do you feel like Billy would have killed Steve if nobody stopped him? That's a great question. 
It um, kind of feels like yeah, he Yeah, I think he would have. I think he yeah. would have killed Steve. Right? I do think so. Yeah. Like, he was just relentless. Isn't it weird, though, how Billy's ultimate, and I literally only thought of this when, we, when you were reading, Billy's goal is to get Max. Right. But he directs all of his anger at the people around her. He never directs his anger at her. He goes Weird. right for Steve and he goes right for Lucas. He does not direct this anger and hostility at Max in the same way that he does with Steve and Lucas. Which I guess makes sense because his dad seems to be the only one he's afraid of. Yeah. And if he if he harms Max, he's going to have to pay for it from his dad. Well, to your point about if he would have killed Steve, I had the thought that when he was beating the shit out of Steve in his head, like seeing red like that, he was probably thinking of his dad. Like oh, yeah. punching the shit out of Neil, he would have absolutely killed Steve. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I also think Billy coming for Max and lacking all context is very Jason coming for Max and mm. lacking all context. So true. Yeah. And also Steve at the end of season one coming to the buyers lacking <laughs> all context. Yeah. Is there an instance we're going to have to see in season three where somebody tries to like jump in, but they lack context and it actually fucks up what's what's the plan is. Oh, yeah. That's that's definitely a thing that happens. It in must be at some point. Yeah. yeah. Like Susie almost. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like if she didn't need him to sing the fucking song. <laughs> Susie. I want to hear it. I'm not going to go there yet. <laughs> Dusty. So speaking of continuity errors, uh, oh. there there is one in this scene. So right after Steve lands his first punch on Billy, it sounds like Max shouts, Steve, but nobody's mouth moves. Oh. They, they show Max and the boys and no one's mouth moves. Lucas is the only one off screen, but it, it, it doesn't, doesn't sound, sound like, like Lucas. No. Hmm. It sounds like a girl. Oh, that is weird. Yeah. So I, d- I don't know what that's about. I don't know it sounds either. Like it's, it sounds like Max, but she is not the one who says it. So interesting continuity error. Yeah. I also <laughs> noticed that when Billy comes in the house, he's like, well, well, well. Yes. I noticed that. I couldn't help, but, you know, well, well, look who's finally decided to join us. <laughs> join Someone's us. a sleepyhead this morning. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know that Billy's not flayed yet. But yeah. it obviously, it just feels like a, like a well, well. Mm-hmm. And also Billy's about to be a sleepyhead. Joyce, Jonathan, and Nancy pull up to Hopper's cabin. They light the fireplace, tie Will to a mattress, and then turn on about a thousand space heaters to, and I quote, kill this son of a bitch. The mind flayer, not Will. My only note is you tell him, Joyce. Yeah, let's kill him. Just kill him. Also, LOL at tie Will to a mattress. <laughs> So they finally found rope somewhere, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they just tie him down. Um, they are also not dressed appropriately for what is about to happen at all. Nancy is wearing like a turtleneck sweater. Joyce is wearing like a like a V-neck sweater. Jonathan's wearing like a thermal. Yeah. Yeah. They're just, they're not prepared. Their clothes in that, in that scene when they're burning the mind flayer out of will. I don't know why I felt like acutely aware of their shirts. Yeah. I mean, they did. They were wearing different shirts later, which I'm guessing were all just like undershirts. Yeah. Um, and they were very drenched in sweat. Lovely. Yeah. Hopper and Elle pull up to the lab. Elle gets out and looks horrified at the sight of the lab. She has a brief flashback of her time in prison there. Hopper asks if she is okay. I don't know why I just said <laughs> Where's the rest of the sentence? I don't know. <laughs> just asks. Some, someone. I don't know. Uh, Hopper asks if she is okay, and Elle wordlessly walks towards the building as the demodogs roar. 
This is just horrifying from every angle. Yeah. For Elle, obviously, from a trauma standpoint, but also just from, like, an actual horror standpoint. Like, you get that zoom out and you can see the lights flashing in the lab. Yeah. And the pan up and you hear them inside. It's just this whole thing with the Demogorgons in the lab was done so well from a horror perspective. I agree. It's like, and, and it's so scary, too, because not only is there, like, the PTSD of Elle willingly going back inside basically like her kidnapper's house mm-hmm. essentially but there's also like they're willingly going into this layer of all these monsters yeah it's it's creepy yeah i also love the detail that you can see the red fog like seeping yes, out like billowing up from like the yeah yes. the vent yeah, yeah 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 i caught that too which is like the, we've actually seen this vent we before. have yeah in season one we have so I love the detail that uh, we see the vent again, and you can see like the red light from the gate itself, and then you can see the fog spilling yes. out, all illuminated. Yes, very cool. Good catch. Thank you. In the back of a moving car, a bloodied Steve wakes up to Mike, who he mistakes for Nancy, <laughs> sitting next to him holding a gas can. He turns to realize that Dustin is icing his head. Sneeve, Sneeve. <laughs> <laughs> who is Sneeve? <laughs> it's so funny for no reason okay anyway (laughs) steve snaps back to reality and realizes max has finally assumed her role as the party's zoomer she is driving billy's car to the tunnels so they can execute their plan of setting the hub on fire steve is obviously very not cool with this as max goes even faster towards their destination max screams at everyone to shut up so she can focus she makes a very sharp left and everyone screams the Steve in this collection of scenes reminds me of a teacher who has absolutely lost control of the classroom. <laughs> Mood. Like, <laughs> Relatable. Like he can't keep the kids listening. They're all talking. No. They're spitballing him. Like they're, they're just, just ignoring him completely. <laughs> they don't give any hell shits. <laughs> nope. What he says. Nope. He's trying his best, but he can't keep them all wrangled. Nope. Eventually, you just have to give up and be like, they they run this place now. They do. That's okay. Yep. As a former ninth grade teacher, any aspiring teachers out there, you know, eventually, you might just have to give up and just lean into the crazy. There you go. Good <laughs> advice. Thank you. <laughs> just give up. Just give up. My advice is just give up. <laughs> For those of you who've just graduated and are planning to get your first job educating the youth, just, yeah. just give up. Yep. That's <laughs> my solid advice. Genuinely. Wow. Just don't do it. Teaching. Just don't do it. Anyway, I love that Dustin tells Steve they were going to leave him behind. (laughs) I know. He's like, hey, I promised you weren't going to freak out. They were going to leave you behind. Which means they were going to leave him there with Billy. With Billy, Billy, who has no car. Yeah. (laughs) Because they took it. Definitely going to be mad about that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Mike looks nothing like, like Nancy. Right? They do not look For alike. Steve to have been like, Nancy? That's a little far-fetched. Yeah, no, Steve. <laughs> so I have a logistics question. Okay. So they get in the car. They somehow get Steve to the car, which I'm assuming took several of them to carry him and put him in the car because he clearly wasn't conscious. Right. They gathered all this gear. They found a little, like, box for Max to put on the gas pedal because she can't reach it. I didn't notice that. Yes, you, you see, like, they do zoom down to her foot, okay. and there's a little box on the gas pedal. <laughs> I'm guessing this whole process, at minimum, took, like, what, 10 to 15 minutes? If not longer. 
if not longer. That means Steve was unconscious for that long, which seems highly concerning. Is that bad? I think so. I think if someone's unconscious for more than like five minutes, you're supposed to call 911. Oh. Yeah. Well, I don't 911 think- was too busy. They were at the lab. They were. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 911 doesn't exist yet. You can't call us. <laughs> I am 911. What does he say? He's like, I am the I police. Am- <laughs> Chief Jim Hopper. <laughs> Yeah. And also Max screaming for everyone to shut up so she can focus is very relatable. This is where my SpongeBob reference came in because it reminded me of, of, okay, SpongeBob, what's the first thing that you do? 1924? Floor it. Floor it. Floor it. Literally. That's what Max is doing. She's like, okay, I should floor it. Okay, I should go faster. Like, why is she doing that? She just speeds up and starts screaming. (laughs) Uh, Such a good scene. It really is. Back at Hopper's cabin, Will awakens very sweaty and confused. Same. I don't think that's the name of that movie, but okay. Sweaty and confused. (laughs) (laughs) He screams that it hurts and begins begging to be let go. To this, Joyce remembers Bob, who the Mind Flayer took from her, and turns up the heat, making Will's screams even worse. Jonathan is distraught by his brother's screaming and begins crying and begging his mom to stop. Joyce pins Will down as Nancy consoles Jonathan. I don't know, man. Get it together. Jonathan. And then, like, you get, like, him, like... (laughs) I know (laughs) that's not going to (laughs) translate. He's making this, like, just awful fit. Like, just so contorted. Like... (laughs) He's so, like, this is just paining him deeply. And I get it. Like, it's got to be hard to, like, see your brother in that state. But, like, also, that's not your brother in there, dude. Yeah, good thing Nancy went, though. Because I feel For like real. she, like, if, if she hadn't have gone, he would have been, like, completely impossible to console. No. Right? He probably would have stopped it. Yeah, he would have. He would have. Because he yeah. started to. Yes. So, thank goodness Nancy went. Thank God for the women in this chapter. Honestly. Really in the whole series. <laughs> Without them, like, half of the series wouldn't happen. Where so. are we even? Right? I don't even know. The party arrives at their destination in an extremely short stop. But hey, everyone survived Max's driving. Mm. They run to the trunk to get their fire safety gear as Steve continues protesting. <laughs> Dustin assures Steve that this is happening whether he is on board or not because a party member requires assistance and it is their duty to provide said assistance. Dustin knows of Steve's promise to Nancy to keep the kids safe, so Dustin hands Steve a backpack of gear and tells Steve to keep them safe. Down in the tunnels, Mike checks the map to tell the group which way to go, but Steve (laughs) declares that he is leading the way because he is responsible if any of these little shits die. Thanks, Steve. I feel like when Dustin is in his mode, he he has like a voice that he puts on. Yes. Right? He's like, the party member requires assistance, so we must provide assistance. He he gets like in in like a vocal. Yeah, he turns into like a narrator. Yes, he does it with (laughs) his mom too, and he does it with Dart. Yes, he does it with Dart. It's like his teacher voice. (laughs) It is. It's his teacher voice. I could so see Dustin becoming a teacher. I could too. Yeah, he would be great. Like the next Mister Clark. Yeah, so cute. One other thing: the flashlights down there. If you noticed, they make that shiny sound that the light made in season four. When the group of teens was in the upside down Wheeler house, the lights kind of make that same shimmery sound. Like a twinkle? 
Yeah, like a like a shiny twinkly yeah. sound. Yeah, I'm gonna so have to like listen for that. Yeah, in the lab, Hopper leads the way through the halls with his flashlight gun. My favorite. He sees tons of blood in a stairwell and tells L to stay on the landing as he goes down. He finds a gravely injured and barely conscious Sam Owens. Hopper ties a tourniquet around his leg wound and introduces Owens to L. He suggests that maybe after L saves their asses, Owen can help her lead a semi-normal life. Hopper hands him a handgun and jokingly tells him not to go anywhere. I know. I love this scene. It's a really good one. I like seeing the parallel of Hopper leading the way with L in tow, and then in the previous scene, Steve leads the way with the other kids in tow. Yeah. That was kind of cute. Yeah. I, I loved seeing the scene, too, of, like, Hopper protecting Owens after Owens protected them. Mm-hmm. Also, did, did Owens know about L? I mean, I'm guessing. I don't know. I mean, this scene unexpectedly dredged up like a theme for me that we haven't really thought of yet oh but it's actually pretty prevalent especially in this particular episode i don't really know what the word is that i'm looking for but it's almost like a science versus morality Hmm. type of thing like i think of dustin housing dart and wanting to preserve the demodog like at the expense of human safety for science yeah and then owens and brenner using science as like an excuse Mm-hmm. to engage in experiments and dehumanize people. And Hopper's like, you know, like, let's stop treating her like a lab rat and poking and prodding her, you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's like, when do we take, when is the scientific pursuit taken too far? It's like Jurassic Park. Yeah. Like, like resurrection just, science. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. So I just thought of that theme, especially with this scene between Hopper and Owens and Hopper defending Elle and then Dustin preserving the demodog. For science, it's just like, okay, can we, can we dial it back? Like, when do we, when do we say, okay, we have crossed a boundary? Yes. Like it's, it's just, I guess like the ethics Mm -hmm. versus pursuit of knowledge. I don't know. Yeah, it is. I couldn't think of the right dichotomy. Right. I don't know what it is, but I, I know what you mean. It's like the, the humanity of it. Like when does that win out? Right. I need to know why the demodog stopped attacking Owens. I had the same thought. Right? Why did they leave him? I don't know. At first, I thought it was because, like, when me and Eli were watching it, I was like, oh, it's because they burned the hub, so they ran away. But, like, that didn't happen yet. Timeline isn't there. No. I don't know why. I don't know what distracted them enough to not kill Owens. Maybe they thought he was dead, but why wouldn't they keep feeding on him like they did Bob? Bob? I mean, maybe it's like what we said with the Demogorgon. Like, as he was feeding in season one, he just got gradually less hungry. I don't know, but he didn't Maybe. eat humans. That's true. The Demogorgon didn't really eat humans, so I don't know. I don't know either why they didn't totally yeah. annihilate Owens. But okay. I mean, he negotiated. Yeah. He was like, listen, dudes. <laughs> it's very tactful. You don't want to do this. It's going to be bad for you. <laughs> I'm not I don't nutritious. taste very good. <laughs> <laughs> Back down in the tunnels, the group moves towards the hub, but Dustin is shot in the face with upside-down <laughs> confetti. After freaking out about it getting in his mouth, he asserts that he is okay and moves on. The group definitely makes fun of him a little bit, though. They keep moving through the tunnels until they find what is unmistakably the hub. Let's drench it. They, well, they drench it, um, the entire area, in gasoline, as an absolute banger plays, which I'm really hoping you know the name of, because I couldn't find it. It is the hub. I thought it was the hub, and I listened to it, and I couldn't find, like, this part. It's deep in there. Okay. Okay. That's what I figured. 
it's the hub because it is an absolute banger. But the part that we hear is such a tiny part of the actual full song. That's what I figured. I was trying to Shazam it, and my phone was like, "Girl, what are what you? Are what you? is this? To yeah. find? Yeah, she didn't. She didn't like it. It's it's called the hub, and it is like a that's what it is. Yeah, I really like the dynamics of it too. It's very like pulsating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so cool sounding. By the way, those little like flower thingies that spit the confetti, the wiki page refers to those as spore clusters. All right. It does not doesn't really specify what they're for, but S- clustering spores. Yep, that's what it is. And I think it is a valid concern to have those spores in your mouth. Yeah, I would personally. Th- Literally the first time we watched this, Eli was like did we just watch Dustin contract like a terminal illness? Yeah. Like, is he gonna be okay? Yeah, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> should we call God. someone? Right. Like, that seems like a bad thing to get in your mouth. Also, why was his mouth even exposed? Because they were supposed to have the bandanas. His mouth was agape. Agape. Maybe he wanted to smell it. But I yeah. mean, he wouldn't have to reveal his mouth to use your right. nose. Very true. I don't All know. Right. Meanwhile, in Hopper's cabin, Will screams bloody murder as Jonathan continues crying and begging Joyce to stop. Joyce tells him to just wait. Just as Jonathan is about to turn off the heaters, Nancy points out Will's neck veins turning black. Unearthly roars come out of this child as he breaks free of one of his restraints. Joyce tries to pin him down, but Will starts strangling Joyce with his superhuman mind flayer strength. All I have is that Jonathan is annoying me. He's pissing me off. Me too. He's just pissing me off, Jonathan. Go wait outside. Let the women handle it. Because you can't, clearly. He needs to step out. He does he need he does. a minute? He needs a minute. Go on the porch. Yeah. Don't set off the tripwire. <laughs> Did Hop tell them about the tripwire? I would hope so. <laughs> I mean, I'm guessing. They didn't set it off, so. Right? The only other thing I wanted to mention is that the, the sounds coming out of Will remind me of the sounds coming out of Doris Driscoll in season oh, three. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. That's what it reminds me of. That'll be, you know, season three so much better than I do. So I'm really excited to. I Yeah, season three is my favorite. I'm so excited to yeah. get into it. Before we get into this next scene, I just want to mention that it is a little confusing because this part of the chapter, all three parties are doing things simultaneously that affect the outcome of what the other parties are doing. So I felt the need to put them all into one scene. So this scene is going to flash back and forth through the three parties just to help you follow along a little bit better. In the lab, Hopper and Elle make it to the control room where they can hear demodogs inside. In true Indiana Jones fashion, Hop uses his knife as a mirror to look inside without tipping off the dogs. He realizes there's a group of them and it might be more than he and Elle can handle. Possessed Will continues strangling Joyce and roaring while Jonathan and Nancy fruitlessly try to save Joyce. Nancy brilliantly stabs Will in the side with a hot poker, which causes him to let go of Joyce. In the tunnels, Steve laments about being in deep shit and throws his lighter into the hub. As the tendrils begin to burn and scream, Will and the demodogs in the lab all scream out in pain. The group in the tunnels begins to run, knowing it is only a matter of time before they are swarmed with demodogs. Will sings us the song of his people as all his veins go black. The kids keep running and the demodogs begin their descent into the tunnels to protect the burning hub. Will continues screaming as the black soot flies out of his mouth and out the door, and Nancy watches it fly into the sky. Inside, Joyce and Jonathan turn off the heat and wake Will up. They sweatily embrace. 
Hopper and Elle watch the Demodogs descend just as Jonathan radios a simple message. Close it. I just gave myself chills. Yeah, that's a lot. That was so much. And it does all happen simultaneously. It's like it, it does. One thing needs to happen as the next thing is happening and right. they can't do anything until the mind flayer is out of will. And the, But yes. when you think about this, Hopper, Jonathan, Joyce, Nancy, and Elle have no idea that Steve and the kids have conceived of this plan. True. To burn the hub. Yeah. I had a question about if they really needed to burn the mind flayer out of will. I was kind of wondering if, like, it was going to be, like, a Harry Potter situation where, like, okay, Harry and Voldemort get in this duel and whatever, and he kills Harry. Okay, it's kind of, like, the opposite. But, like, he kills Harry, but the piece of Voldemort is actually what dies. So I'm wondering, if L just closed the gate, would just the Mind Flayer die and Will be okay? That's a good question. I also had a similar thought. Was it the burning of Will... In the cabin, what drew out the mind flare? Or was it when they set fire to the hub that right. finally expelled the mind flare from Will? Yeah, I don't know. It kind of seems like a little of both, honestly. Yeah. I feel like I feel like it might have been the hub. Which really adds value to the kids conceiving of that idea. Like right. it's kind of cool to think that had they not thought to do that, the mind flare would not have just and they're like all right space heaters ah so ah, scary right like, <laughs> so yeah i had like a similar was it and, and yeah like could they just have closed the gate right i guess it wasn't worth the risk of well i think out. part of the problem too and i mean i get into this in a little bit were they worried that if they closed the gate prior to expelling the mind flare that the mind flare would be trapped in the upside down or i'm um, sorry in hawkins yeah which it, it is it is but- <laughs> They were they were right. And one other thing, another fabulous use of the Will Byers fake body. Mm. Um, when Nancy, you know, hits him in the side with the poker, that is obviously not actually Noah Schnapp being hit in the side with a hot poker. Yeah. It is it is the body. And uh I I wish I had like quoted this, but I found in an article about the fake body somewhere, um, how they did that, that stunt, there was like some sort of rig underneath that cot Hmm. that let the steam out so that it, it looked like a Mm. hot poker. Like it wasn't actually hot. They didn't brand Will with a hot poker. (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. They didn't, they didn't hit a child with a hot metal poker. (laughs) I loved the detail of Steve throwing the lighter to ignite the hub in slow motion and then Robin throwing the Molotov in Ooh. slow motion to light Vecna on fire. Yeah. I thought that was really fun. Like, both scenes are in slow motion. They're both fire. Yeah. But there was no epic remix of Running Up That Hill that started playing when Steve tosses the lighter in the same way that it starts up when Robin throws the Molotov. Yeah. That's such a great moment. Oh, my God. I just got, like, my hair is standing on end. (laughs) So embarrassing. (laughs) But that's literally me just thinking about it. Don't mind me. (laughs) Yes. I'm just in my feelings. It's like, look at them. Yeah. Marina really has, like, goosebumps right now. (laughs) So good. (laughs) Steve and the kids run back through the tunnels in a panic. Mike trips and falls, getting grabbed around the ankle by a vine. Steve hits the vine with his nail bat to free Mike. Just as they are about to continue on their route, they encounter a lone demodog. It's Dart! Dustin takes off his goggles to reason with his old friend about letting them pass. 
Dustin asks if he will let them pass, and Dart says no loudly. <laughs> and it just screams at him. Yes. Like, ah! I'd like to think he's saying no. Yeah. <laughs> Dustin apologizes and gives Dart some of his favorite food, nougat. While Dart is distracted by his snack, Dustin ushers the rest of the gang to pass by. Dustin says a bittersweet goodbye to his buddy. I just have to say one more time, and I think we've said this. It would have just been so amazing if somehow Dart ended up as the Kamchatka Demogorgon. Oh, my God. (laughs) How epic would that have been if the reveal of the Kamchatka Demogorgon, you saw the yellow. Yeah. And you were like, holy shit, that's Dart. And then all of a sudden, we have an emotional connection to the Mm -hmm. Kamchatka Demogorgon. That would have sucked. But it would have been great. Yeah, it would have. Like, it would have been so <laughs> terrible and awesome. That's how he got so big. It's all the nougat. Honestly, like, I think that would have been great if they snuck a scene of Dart crawling back into the gate Ooh. before the gate closed. I know. Like, that would have been cool. It would have been so cool. And then all of a sudden we're like, don't kill it, but yes, kill but it. But yes, kill it, but, but don't, don't kill it. Because we love it. Dart. And then <laughs> Hopper, like, beheads Dart. <laughs> I'm sorry. (laughs) So awful, but also really awesome. It would have just been so like narratively satisfying for that to come full circle. It would have. I agree. Justin's bravery here is just out of this world, I have to say. He just jumps in front of the group before he even, he doesn't even know yet that it's Dart. Mm -hmm. And he just puts them all behind him because he knows how to reason with Demodogs. Yeah. He's like, what's his face from Jurassic Park? Oh yeah. He, he, he preps. He does. Yeah. With his, with blue. Yeah, that's cute. A Jurassic World, I guess that is. Yeah. (laughs) Elle and Hopper get on the elevator and head down into the pit to get a better shot at closing the massive gate. Elle grabs Hopper's hand as they descend. As Elle raises her hand to begin closing the gate, the Mind Flayer's shape appears behind the gate's membrane. She begins to recall what Kali said. Find a memory that makes you sad or angry and channel it into power. I just have a technical question. Yes. What does the gate look like on the upside down side? Hmm. That's a good question. Like you have to assume it's in the lab, right? Yeah. Yeah. On the upside down side. Right. Because it's usually like a mirror image. Right. And why didn't Vecna just walk through it? I was wondering this too. Maybe he wasn't powerful enough yet by this point. He hadn't charged enough on his vines. Oh. Yeah. He has a really long time to charge. So. Okay. Yeah, I did think it was a little weird, though, that the even just like the mind flayers just like chilling back there. Well, if the smoky the smoky boy left Will and, and went into the forest, who is this fellow behind the membrane? This fellow. <laughs> <laughs> is it just a piece of the mind flare is now in the forest? I think so. I think it's just a piece. It's not like the full boy. Like Ashley Simpson? Yeah, a piece of me. The pieces. <laughs> pieces <laughs> the of pieces me. pieces of me. <laughs> <laughs> the mind flayer singing to his smoky self. Yes. Okay. <laughs> mind flayer karaoke. Pieces of me. As the gang almost makes it to their entry hole. Oh, they, no. <laughs> they hear the horde of very angry puppies coming their way. They book it and begin climbing back out. But before Steve and Dustin can make it out, the demodogs are right around the corner. Steve prepares to defend them both just as the entire group of demodogs runs right past them. The group looks confused when suddenly Mike realizes where they're going. Eleven. The demodogs are like shit. The boss is going to be so mad. Right? We came here because there was a fire. 
but the girl is what we want, and she's back where we were. And they're like, gotta go back. <laughs> to be fair, the mind flayer gave them very confusing instructions. He's Agreed. giving mixed signals. He is giving mixed signals. Right? Like, how's your boss going to ask you to do one thing and then be like, never mind, but then be mad that you did the thing that he asked you to do? Yeah. He was like, go put out that fire. Ridiculous. Never mind. Can't work under these conditions. The demodogs <laughs> are going to unionize. <laughs> the rope hanging down. Yes. Reminds me a lot of the sheet falling through the gate. Yeah. In season four. And I just, just want like, to... Suspended in midair. Yeah. And it's also funny because, like, Steve is always on the wrong side of the hole. So, like. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Steve. Poor Steve. Always on the wrong side of the hole. (laughs) In season four, he's with Nancy, and here he's with Dustin. Wrong side of the hole? Wrong the wrong side of the hole. (laughs) I like that the order that the kids get pushed out is, like, in order of how likely their caretaker is to murder Steve if they die. So Max goes first, obviously. <laughs> what a great catch. Yeah, Max Max goes first because mm-hmm. Billy's going to kill her. Then Lucas because the Sinclairs don't know Steve. True. Then goes Mike because, you know, Nancy, Nancy cares about Steve. Mm-hmm. She, she might be mad, but she's not going to kill him, probably. And uh, then Dustin last because Claudia just has no clue what's going on. And also Dustin and Steve are best friends. So. Yeah. Claudia's just, she's got her kitten and... I need to talk about that kitten. It's the cutest kitten. It's really cute. Steve is just so brave here. He's really going into full protector mode with his nail bat. I love it. He's the best. One last thing. We've talked a little bit before about how video game stock sounds make their way into these episodes. I was wondering what this meant. Yeah. (laughs) I I was watching last night with Eli and he noticed that when the demodogs run past Steve and Dustin... There's this one very high-pitched sound Hmm. that also appears in Elden Ring as a sound that the demi-humans make. I don't know anything about this game, but Eli told me that the demi-humans make that sound. Okay. Thanks. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. (laughs) So there's another stock sound for you. Love stock sounds. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) L continues slowly closing the massive gate as the Mind Flayer watches from inside. The demodogs begin their assault on the elevator as Hopper does his best to shoot them down. I literally just wrote that I need a diagram, but then you explained oh. where the holes are, so I don't really need a diagram anymore. I did. Yeah. I, I diagrammed the holes for you. Thanks. No problem. We're learning all about holes <laughs> and hole mechanics <laughs> and locations of holes. Who's on the right or wrong side of holes? <laughs> uh. Elle recalls some of her worst memories, opening the gate, being taken from her mom, Kali making her see Brenner, making contact with the Demogorgon, her mom being taken, and Elle being imprisoned in the lab. As she flashes back, a Mind Flayer tendril makes its way out of the gate towards her. Channeling all of the strength she can muster, Elle puts out both hands, screams, and begins levitating as she creates a force field, pushing back against the tendril. The group at the tunnels sees their car's headlights glow brightly, and in Hopper's cabin, every light comes on with a loud hum. As she pushes, the tendril goes back into the upside down, and the gate finally seals. Elle collapses. Oh, I got chills. 
I know. I watched that scene again this morning, too. I know. It's so good. She looks inhuman. Doesn't she get to yes. a, a point where she looks completely inhuman? Yes. It's so weird. Like, all her veins are visit. Like, her skin goes translucent. Yeah. And her, her eyes, like, her pupils dilate, like, fully. So she has no iris yes. whatsoever. There's actually, like, if you look closely, a little red ring mm. around her 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 um, pupils. Very creepy. And she's bleeding from both nostrils. Somebody needs to get this poor girl a tissue. She's been bleeding since she arrived. <laughs> Someone please put a tampon in this girl's nose. <laughs> <laughs> she Who needs it desperately. Tampons? What's her face? In Chicago. Where is she? Yes. We need her tampons. Come back, Dottie. We need your tampons. Thank you, Dottie. <laughs> yeah. I... I had to write, Henry is somewhere punching the air right now because his own advice is what allows Elle to close the gate. Yes. His advice of channeling your emotions. Yeah. He's like, wow, I I really fucked up here. Really got to stop giving out all my best secrets. I love the red and the blues and the colors and it's just like everything cools down once the gate closes it's all like this very bright vibrant like bloody red and then as soon as the gate seals everything gets to be like this cool like ashy blue color yeah that's so true i was trying to determine like what what it is that you feel in the air when it's like when when all the parties can tell that it's over Mm, and it's like something something settles yeah and it must be the the color that made me feel that way it's definitely calm because blue is calm. Yeah, that makes sense. And cool, Will's not hot anymore. Oh, yeah. It's like a True. coolness and a calm, yeah. but also a sadness. I don't know. <clears throat> yes. Right? Which I actually do talk about at okay. a later scene. From below, we see all the demodogs begin to fall. We get a shot of Dart's last growly breath as he dies next to his Three Musketeers rapper. R.I.P. Dart. Hopper picks up Elle and holds her as he tearfully reassures her that she did good, kid. I never processed the dart thing until I read this. That he's next to the Three Musketeers rapper. Yeah. It's so sad. I just, like, I, it makes me sad. I don't know why. I know he's destructive and, like, <laughs> evil and stuff, but he just, I don't know, I feel like we're connected to him. Me too. And it also goes back to our D&D alignment a little bit, because, like, these are just creatures who are being told what to do, like... Are they inherently evil or are they just following orders? They're also just hungry. Yeah, they're just hungry. They're just creatures. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. And plus, like, you can see that Dart is tameable. Right. And he is sentient at least a little bit because he's clearly able to disobey the Mind Flayer's orders. True. Like, we said that before. Yeah, we, we talked about this. Like, he, he doesn't attack Dustin or the kids when Dustin tries to reason with him and, and feeds him. Mm-hmm. So. One month later, oh, a wow. soldier... One month later... A whole month has gone by now. A whole month. We've been talking a really long time. <laughs> wow. <laughs> a whole month. <laughs> Sorry, guys, for the month-long episode. <laughs> okay. One month later, a soldier tugs on chains on the doors of Hawkins' lab. As it zooms out, we see a large, warning, restricted area sign on both doors issued by the Secretary of Defense. As the soldiers drive out, they are greeted by a very happy tailgater, Murray. They are not amused and flip him a kind bird on their exit. Finally. Yeah. The building is closed. (laughs) Yes, we've at least taken that step. (laughs) Thank you. Close it down. Yes. Shutter it up. I I just love Murray's face here. He's just like, I know. He's like, all right. (laughs) So, so smug, but like. I know. In the best way. I love it. I know. 
A newsreel plays in the background explaining that Hawkins Lab admitted to involvement in Barb's death and cover-up. Apparently, she was exposed to an experimental chemical asphyxiant. Barbara's parents finally have a body, quote-unquote, to bury. What they don't know won't hurt them. And we have a funeral, which is attended by Nancy, Jonathan, Steve, and the Wheelers. The Hollands cry, but seem to finally be at peace. All right, so I have to, I have to do this because it's a problem. Okay. There is lush greenery in every <laughs> scene of this montage. It is December in Indiana. Yeah. These children are about to attend a dance called the Snowball. And, there's and snow. it is looking like a ripe <laughs> summer day out here. Okay. True. I Googled this. It said peak fall foliage in Indiana is October. These trees should be naked and barren, but there is lushness. Their trees are full. They are green. There are bushes. The grass (laughs) is like this beautiful plush color. Right. Excuse me. Who do you take us for, DBs? Like, it is April 1st in New Jersey, which is a bit more temperate, I would say, than Indiana. And, uh... It's still looking pretty pretty uh, brown outside. Not one tree. No. The grass is pretty dead. The trees are still naked. Yeah. It should not look like that in it December is, in Indiana. It is June. It is June. Yeah. It's definitely in, June. In Georgia. Okay. Right. It's, it's Georgia, not December in Indiana, DBs. Yeah. yeah. DBs. Come on now. It is Christmas. It's supposed to be. It's a very, it's, it's a very temperate Christmas in Indiana. Ugh. I just, I needed to point out that Steve is at this funeral. Yes. Because I, I never noticed this before. Me neither. But I had to pause and make sure it was him. It's and I him. thought it was, it was so interesting because he's standing there by himself. Mm-hmm. He's like, Nancy and Jonathan are standing together and Steve is just kind of like off to the off side to the by side. himself. Also, yeah. like, how, who do the buyers think they are not coming to this funeral? Right? Excuse me. Like, that's a little weird. Ms. Byers. Yes. You buried your fake son. Right. Show some support. Come on. Show some support for other families who want to bury their fake children, okay? Yeah, for real. <laughs> I wanted to just point out the song that's playing during this montage. Oh, it's... Wait, let me guess the artist. Okay. Susie and the Banshees. No. Damn it. It is... It is... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I just thought that that's who it was. No, it is a song by Tangerine Dream. Of course it is. Yep, and it's called Rare Bird. Uh, the last time we got a Tangerine Dream song was in The Flea and the Acrobat when Hop is tearing apart his cabin looking for the microphone. Nice. Wow. It feels like we get Tangerine Dream way more often than that. I don't know why. Well, I had no idea about this, but Kyle and Michael are, they're like, a, that, that, is their, that is their muse for the Stranger Things music is Tangerine Dream. Uh, I didn't know that. Me neither. I only found that out today. And cool. Tangerine Dream actually did a cover of the Stranger Things main theme. Ooh. And I also didn't know this, but Kyle and Michael are in a band. Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't know that. I, uh, oh, my God. I Why bad. am I blank? What is it called? Survive. Survive. Right? And there's yeah. two other members. And I just, I feel like bad that I sit here and harp on music and never knew <laughs> that they were in a band. <laughs> I actually knew about Survive, but I didn't know there were other members. I just thought it was them two. No, there's four members. I remember one time going to some event with Eli back when he was in a band and like there was a DJ at this event and he was mm-hmm. just playing like cool kind of like electronic music. And I asked if he had anything by Survive and, and he played Survive Oh, that's music. so cool. Right? It was very cool. 
And it all does sound like Stranger Things music, by the way. If if you enjoy Stranger Things music out there, like me and Marina do, you would very much like Survives music. So fun. Yeah. Hopper arrives at the local pub to sit down with Owens as he recovers from his leg injury. Owens pulls out an envelope and slides it to Hopper. It's a birth certificate for a Miss Jane Hopper, with Hopper officially listed as Elle's dad alongside Terry Ives. Owens suggests that even with Elle's existence being official in the eyes of our government, they should lay low for at least a year. Stressed out by this declaration, Hopper asks how risky one night out would be. <laughs> Hopper mentions that he doesn't want to share the sandwich with Owens because he's dieting. I know. And I had to wonder if it was an in-universe explanation for him training for Hellboy. Oh. Which came out in 2019. Hmm. But then season three... He's yeah, notably he's, heavier. Yes. Clearly so the diet know. failed, Hop. Yeah, the, yeah, the <laughs> diet clearly failed. Good job. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea. I thought the Christmas lights were a nice touch in this scene of the bar because they're very much the same ones that, like, Joyce had strung up yeah. in her house. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. Mr. Clark hangs up the banner at the Hawkins Middle School Snowball 84, where Hooray. nothing bad ever happens. No, <laughs> nothing at all. What could go wrong? No, nothing. <laughs> at the buyers, we see Will's newest drawing, and it's of Bob Newby's superhero. Joyce tries to teach Will how to dance as Jonathan records on Bob's camera. Their house is back to normal again, by the way. At the Wheelers, Karen takes Polaroids of a miserable but dashing Mike. Lucas practices his best smooth moves in the mirror as Erica makes fun of him from the doorway. I hope they don't forget the balloons filled with blood for the snowball. Of course, yes. That is a necessary decoration for the I snowball. Agree. <laughs> <laughs> blood balloons. I know. Which is a season four track, actually. Is it? Soundtrack track, yeah. Yeah. It's called Blood Balloons. I love when Lucas is, like, hyping himself up in the mirror, and he's like, S stop. He tells himself <laughs> to stop. Yeah, he tells himself to stop because it's too embarrassing. <laughs> I, I also love Will asking Jonathan if it's what's happening, as if Jonathan would know what's happening. I love Jonathan's response, though, because it kind of makes me feel like they're, like, low-key kind of making fun of Joyce a little bit together, mm -hmm. where he's like, yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah, what's happening. it's totally what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> like, it kind of feels like he's he's taken a little jab at his mom, which I think is cute. I know. And then Karen and Mike. And Mike's <laughs> like, Mom. And Karen's like, Mike. <laughs> and all the pictures of him, he just looks he's so just miserable. So miserable. <laughs> we get the Polaroid thing twice. We get it with the Halloween costumes and we get oh, yeah. it with this one, with the snowball. I actually confused these two scenes. When I was writing mm. out the, the scenes, I got confused for a second. I was like, wait, didn't we do this? Two different scenes. Yes. At the Hargroves, Max's mom finishes braiding her hair as Max laments. Billy walks by and glances at her, but Max shoots daggers from her eyes and Billy walks away. At the Hendersons, Dustin is violently looking around for something very important as Claudia pets an adorable Siamese kitten named Twos. L-M-A-O. It's named <laughs> Twos. <laughs> it feels passive aggressive, doesn't it? It's like... <laughs> You'll never be Muse. You're but the you're, sequel. Yeah, Muse number two. The low quality sequel. Although <laughs> the, the cutest little kitten. Oh my God. It's so cute. The tiniest Siamese boy. It's so precious. <laughs> we discover that Dustin was looking for a can of Steve's secret weapon, Farrah Fawcett hairspray. I love oh. how Max's mom is like, see, pretty. And, and Max is like, like, I would rather be dead. <laughs> I know. But it just feels like L, like still pretty. Still pretty. Still pretty. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> Max is just like not. She's just not. No, having it. I don't care. Yeah, just not having it. I had to wonder if Billy was gonna say something to Max. Well, it kind of looked like it. Why does Billy like? Why has he admitted defeat so easily? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't believe you. Like, you True. were stabbed with a syringe and almost castrated. <laughs> and you're just like, all right, I'll leave you alone. That doesn't add fuel to the fire. Right. That's true. I wonder if, like, he took that as an implication that, like, Max was going to tell on him or something, like, to their dad. I don't know. Mm, all right. Maybe. Because she's like, say you understand. And he's like, I understand. Say it. <laughs> say it. And then in season three, he's all like, I don't understand. <laughs> Billy you just said you do. <laughs> you get it. <laughs> do you, you understand or not? <laughs> William, you said you did. <laughs> William Hargrove. Yeah. All right. Well, Steve pulls up to what is about to be Dustin's worst trauma so far, a middle Aww, school dance. Baby. Don't worry. It's all of our worst trauma. I literally he- wrote that, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Mood. He gives him a pep talk about how to seem like he doesn't care. Mm. Dustin purrs again, and Steve recommends not doing that and wishes (laughs) him luck. (laughs) Dustin heads in, and Steve sees Nancy inside, looking beautiful and scooping punch for middle schoolers. He drives away, dejected. Dustin walks into the snowball confidently. Nancy lets a 12-year-old know that there is pure fuel in this bowl. She smiles at Jonathan across the gym, who is also volunteering at the dance, and he smiles back. Can we talk about the expense of this last scene, please? Wild. (laughs) Can we just have this conversation now? Because we have love is a battlefield. We have twist of fate. We have time after time. And we have every breath you take. I cannot imagine how much this costed. This is why the trees had leaves. Because they blew (laughs) their entire budget on these four songs and did not CGI the leaves off the trees. No money left. I firsthand don't really know anything about music licensing, but I am a an avid religious listener to the Office Ladies podcast. So if you if any of you out there are Office fans like me and also listen to this podcast, you'll know what I'm talking about. But they talk a lot on that podcast about music that they license for the show and how much it costs. And just to give you an idea, I remember they talked about one episode where they, they played Bring Me to Life by Evanescence for about 30 seconds, and licensing that song cost $50,000. No. So I cannot imagine what playing the entire song in this show of a song as popular as Every Breath You Take or Time After Time or Love is a Battlefield, it must have been easily several million dollars. Easily. Easily. It's crazy. I just, I needed to point that out. We needed to point that out because you get four major songs yeah not to mention when time after time starts the captions are all like slow romantic song playing <laughs> bitch this is time after time what not do you just mean slow romantic song <laughs> some generic slow romantic song that we've never heard before why does nancy's hair look like dustin's hair is this just me did i just note they i feel like they look similar right i get it i feel like that was a very popular hairstyle in the 80s if especially if you had curly hair Mm -hmm. to just like lump it all like on on top of your head so it looks kind of wild i think it's cute i love it it is cute i think she looks amazing dustin looks so handsome i really like his hair like this dustin like i would have danced with dustin in a heartbeat if this boy came up to me at the middle school dance i would be floored i would be like who me me 
this handsome fellow? <laughs> <laughs> I wish one of us could purr, like do the growl. <laughs> but no. I can't. No. I'm not even going to try. Neither. <laughs> The wind is knocked out of Justin's sails as his friends roast his new mullet. Just then, Time After Time by Cindy Lauper comes on, and Lucas very awkwardly asks Max to dance, to which she aggressively agrees. <laughs> Are you trying to ask me to dance, stalker? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> She's just like, okay. <laughs> Dustin looks on sadly as the two begin to slow dance. Jennifer Hayes comes up to Zombie Boy to ask him to dance, which is a weird approach, but okay. Will is awkward, wonder why, but Mike encourages him, and she and Will awkwardly dance. Mike looks around lonely, just like Dustin. This is not a term of endearment, Jennifer. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine, like, imagine you're, like, on a dating app. You're, like, on Tinder or something, and someone's first message to you is, hey, zombie boy. Ew. (laughs) Unless you identify and go by zombie boy, you shouldn't call people zombie boy. That doesn't seem like a good way to get somebody to like you, but okay. No, and plus we know Jennifer only wants to dance with him because he's, like, spooky and weird because he's yeah. zombie boy. Which is fair. I think spooky and weird is cool, too. Agreed, but, like, for the right reasons. Yeah. She just, like, is like, yeah, I danced with the zombie boy and I didn't die. Yeah. Also, Will, like, looking at Mike. <laughs> should I go? Should I not go? I <laughs> should I stay or should I go? <laughs> <laughs> If I go, there will be trouble. There will be trouble. I think it's so sweet to watch this unfold, knowing that it ends up becoming one of Max's happiest memories. Yes. So sweet and also very sad. But I'm also really proud of Lucas for not hesitating. And as soon as that slow song came on, he just mustered up that courage right away. He did. He cared and it worked. Right. Unlike Dustin. Caring works. Following Steve's advice to not care. Like, I need to know how Steve actually does get these ladies with this advice because he is, it's just awful advice. But he's the most handsome, so it doesn't matter. That's true. That's very true. I think that he discounts that very strongly. Yes, he has a leg up because he's attractive. Not that Dustin's unattractive, but he's 12. So it's like, we're not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Dustin works up the nerve to ask Stacy to dance, but is rudely rejected. Nancy notices Dustin crying on the bleachers and comes over to ask him to dance. She tells Dustin that he's her favorite one of Mike's friends and lets him know that middle school girls are dumb. And in a few years, he'll be driving them nuts. Nancy Wheeler, everyone's big sister. I literally grin like an idiot (laughs) at this scene, like without fail. Like it's just so cute. She's like, closer, a little closer. (laughs) (laughs) So cute. There you go. (laughs) I I noticed that Stacy is talking to her friends and you can you can read her lips and she's saying she's in high school oh yeah wow so i a love big deal nancy using her pretty girl and high school privilege her status her status to uplift dustin queen of the school paper <laughs> yes she's not there yet but she's almost there she's almost there this is like i feel like she's like cool you know yeah. and we yeah. don't get that from her until she's until like now yeah, it's, it's like interesting cool now to watch how other people perceive her mm-hmm. and how that shifts throughout how that the changes. show. Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Like you don't, we, we don't really consider her to be like cool and popular and stuff mm-hmm. until we see how other people perceive her. Yes, she's in high school. <laughs> <laughs> also, crying at the middle school dance is too relatable. 
I can think of like approximately 9,000 things I'd rather do yeah. than attend a middle school dance again. Ever. In my life. Even as a chaperone. Never. Yeah, no. Never. Nope. Pain. Nope. One dance, it would be me crying. The next dance, it was you crying. You know. Oh my Sometimes God. We're I both lost crying. my absolute mind in sixth grade. <laughs> Didn't we all? The, the most embarrassing <laughs> thing in the world. I thought my life was over. Yeah. Yeah. He, he danced with another person. I remember this, and I, I think I remember who it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was only one person. Yeah. <laughs> in sixth grade. Yep. What a time. If you're out there in middle school, don't worry. It'll, it'll be better. I promise. <laughs> also, if you're in middle school, please stop listening to this. <laughs> We curse way too much. Kindergartner. Let us know. (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, Outside school, Joyce and Hopper find each other and share a cigarette, reminiscing about the old days. Hopper consoles Joyce about losing Bob and hugs her tightly. Did they hook up in high school? I don't know. I must know. Maybe Maybe we'll we'll find find out. out. Yeah. (laughs) In the first shadow. Yeah. I'm actually really hoping we find out more about their high school relationship if they had one. Also, I love how she's standing outside of the school. I know. Because <laughs> Will was like, Mom, I need space. And she's like, okay, I'll just go wait in the parking lot. <laughs> 20 feet. That's how much space you get. You get that space, kid. No more. No less. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> just a little space. I feel okay. emotional. Me too. Inside, Mike has an existential crisis as every breath you take plays. But then, at the door, it's Elle all done up in full 80s glam, looking gorge. Mike tells her she looks beautiful and asks her to dance, even though neither of them know how. All the pairs dance happily, and Max decides to plant one on Lucas, making them both smile. Mike and Elle finally share another kiss, and we all rejoice. As we zoom out, Hawkins' middle flips upside down, revealing the mind flare on the other side, still lurking. Okay, so before we were talking about, like, the lighting changing and how it kind of, like, changes the vibe. Mm. And I actually noted that they did such a good job of giving the snowball like a weird, sinister vibe before the upside down even happens. Like before we even see the mind flare, it just, I don't know. There's like a feel off to you. Yeah. Like a spooky vibe to the whole thing. Hmm. I don't know why, but maybe it's just because I have the context of season four already and the snowball has now become scary. Spooky with blood balloons. Yeah. Blood balloons. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I would love to watch it again and think about that. Yeah. And see if I could pick up on that, like, off-putting, weird. Yeah. I mean, I always think it's weird. We as the audience always know better, right? right. Like, y'all are happy and smiling and dancing and kissing. <laughs> are you okay? Like, like there's you, a mind This player. is not the end. <laughs> yeah. No, not so, even. Yeah. So I, that, I think that always sits a little weird. Yeah, watching these characters be like artificially happy, I guess. Yeah, because we know the truth. Yeah, but I would love to watch it with like through that like spooky like lens. True. One thing I forgot to mention in an earlier scene is that I love the detail that Max is not in a dress. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, like all pretty much all the girls at the stance mm-hmm. are in dresses, and Max is just in like a cute sweater and like corduroy. Yeah. I love that for her. That is cute. Yeah. Like, I I feel like the, the hair braiding is, like, the compromise that her mm-hmm. and her mom came to. Like, fine. Yeah. Braid my hair, mom. Fine. If I don't have to wear a dress, you can do my hair. Before we close out, I just want to say that 
we love you, Mind Flare. We do. And we really, really hope that you are the true be all end all here, Mind Flare. Mind Flare, reigning supreme. Can't wait to meet you physically next summer in the form of your meatiest monster form. <laughs> I'm so excited. Your meatiest monster. <laughs> Ew. I just love it. And I think he's great. And he's overseeing, he's chaperoning the dance. Good job, buddy. Yeah, come on, man. He's like the principal. <laughs> keeping us safe. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> this MF. This MF keeping us safe. Oh, so good. Wow. Amazing. We finished season two. We did it. I can't believe we made it through season two already. Wow. Did you have an MVP and LVP for us today? I did. Tell us about it. My MVP is all of the women in this chapter. Wow. I love that so yes. much. It's L, Nancy, Max, and Joyce. Max for thinking on her feet and stabbing Billy with the syringe. Yeah. Joyce for having the strength to keep turning up the heat on her son. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nancy for stabbing Will with the poker, <laughs> supporting Jonathan, and also dancing with Dustin. And L for saving the actual world. <laughs> I love that. I, I didn't put an MVP and LVP for this episode because there was just so much. There I felt like I couldn't. I couldn't do it but i love the idea of just putting all the women and i thought of max specifically too mm. because again she like kind of steps in and saves the day and maybe saves steve's life true so <laughs> versus all the boys right stop who just it. stop so like <laughs> again she did not need to be here like you're right she could have called a cab <laughs> she could have been like you know what hey I'm uber just, <laughs> just gonna just gonna go home um <laughs> But she stepped in. She stole her brother's car. I mean. Oh, my God. True. Yeah. yeah. Good for her. And all, all the, the girls. All the girls. The ladies. Okay. What about your LVP? It's just Billy. Obviously. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't know who else to put. I mean, the only reason is just, like, he does remind me so much of Jason. Yeah. Like, come on, man. We can handle this later. Like, you don't understand what's happening. Could you Could you go wait on the porch? Like, <laughs> You also need a minute. <laughs> you also need a minute to calm down, okay? There's bigger fish to fry around here than your yes. your your daddy issues. Like, <laughs> so definitely Billy. I, there's nobody, like, it's kind of like Bob being the MVP of that one chapter. It's just Billy this chapter. He just sucks. Yeah. A lot. Absolutely. Yeah. A I lot. agree. Don't <clears throat> cream your pants. <laughs> <laughs> End with that. End with that one. <laughs> Wow. I just want to point out before we finish up, our microphones are called snowballs. Oh my God, they are. Look at these little snowballs. Our snowballs. So thank you for listening. Wow. What an amazing chapter. Our, probably our longest episode yet. Potentially. Potentially. But thank you for listening to it all and supporting us as always. And I would just like to put it out there one more time that if you haven't rated us on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you're listening, please do so. We absolutely love reading them. Even if you don't write anything, it's great to get the star ratings too. Mm -hmm. It really helps bolster our legitimacy and it also boosts us when you search on Spotify. Yes, it does. It makes us come up soon. Yes. So thank you so much. Thank you. We will be back. We're going to do it like a, like a wrap up oh, with yeah, like right. theories that people thought were happening. Oh, and right, right, right. Like a revisit of themes yes. and stuff. So we will be back next week to wrap up season two and then we'll move on to season three. So I hope you guys are ready for summer. I'm ready for summer. Me too. Although it's already summer in December right. in Indiana. Of course. <laughs> <laughs>
All right, everybody. Till right. next time. Stay strange. Stay strange. To keep in touch and stay informed about upcoming Starcourt Study Hall episodes, follow us on Instagram at Starcourt Study Hall. 